Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. Did the review episode. You can find that. Um, it's the last episode. It was Friday, uh, Monday's episode. Um, the review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Ultimately, I, I came to a, I don't know, a better understanding of the film. I definitely have grown to like it more and more as I've drifted away from it. I think I've kind of reached the the limits of that at this point. And so, uh, statistics. There's a ton of people in this, ton of people attached to it, big names, and you know, let's let's just jump in to this. Uh, I don't know, not not exactly spoilers, I guess, but if if i don't know in case you haven't seen the film you will know everyone that was involved in it if you listen through to the whole thing so again once upon a time in hollywood here we go statistics once upon a time ellipses in hollywood is a 2019 film i saw it july 25th 2019 it's approximately uh 2 hours and 37 minutes long so it is it is quite a lengthy film and um, there's that. It's it's very very long. I I ended up giving it a seventy four, a seventy four. Yeah, it has an eighty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which currently puts it sixth overall for me this year, uh, and one thousand six hundred eighty sixth all time across everything I've seen. On the Bechdel test, I believe it has a two. There are scenes between Margaret Qualley and Lena Dunham that are about uh, Brad Pitt's character, Booth. I uh, can't think of it. Cliff Booth? Cliff Booth? There are... That's about it, though. I'm trying to think. Uh, there might have been a couple of scenes. The Mar- Margot Robbie talks to the ticket taker at the movie theater, but I don't think that she was ever named, so... I think this caps out at a two on the Bechdel test. It is an R-rated film from the MPAA. It is a comedy, and is currently six the six hundred and first ranked comedy on my list. And it is a drama, which and it is currently ranked one thousand and nineteenth overall as a drama. My brief synopsis: My brief synopsis of the film: An aging TV actor and his stunt double seek success in the waning moments of Hollywood's golden age. Uh, it's pretty pretty fair. Uh, other things happen for sure, but uh, that's that's a pretty fair representation of of the general insight into the film. So yeah, let's move on to our director. Director of the film is Quentin Tarantino. This is the fourteenth film direct fourteenth film of his I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 73.93. It is his third film rated in the 70s. <clears throat> and eighth best movie overall, coming in behind Kill Bill Volume 1 and ahead of The Hateful Eight. He has a value of 14.5, a score of 79.19 to be ranked 13th overall. One spot behind Steven Soderbergh, one spot ahead of Hayao Miyazaki. Now, if you've seen some of the posters for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 
a lot of them recognize this as Tarantino's ninth film. So let's kind of uh, illuminate that a little bit here for a second. I believe Tarantino counts Kill Bills Volumes 1 and 2 as one film, so one. Uh, then you've got a couple of movies that he directed parts of, like Four Rooms and uh, the short film Reservoir Dogs that the later feature was based off of. Uh, you've got Death Proof in there. Um, and then if I can look for this one, just to make sure I've got it right. Dun, dun, dun. You've also got Sin City, um, for which Tarantino was a guest director on that. Plus uh, a short film he did back in back in long, long, long time ago called My Best Friend's Birthday uh, is also on this sheet. So even with all that, he is 13th overall. Very highly rated um, Tarantino. I generally enjoy most of his movies. I don't revere him, I guess. I just think he's made some pretty good movies. And Glorious Bastards was one that, uh, upon my second watch, I loved a lot more the, than I did the first time. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, still my favorite. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the, the direction in it is very different from his normal stuff. It does not feel like a Tarantino film for most of the movie, at least uh, what we're familiar with as Tarantino's kind of uh, auteur trademarks. And I like that, uh, especially, you know, given the context and, and what the film is about. I think it's a really good choice for him to step away uh, and step back from his normal style. I think auteurs need to kind of do that every once in a while just to make sure they have a grip on what they're doing. And uh, I think he, he really succeeds. You know, I don't think it's quite as good of a directorial effort as some of his better films like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Bastards. But it's definitely shows that he can do others. He can look at things through, through a different lens. And um, he's not just a, you know, a one trick pony, which he really isn't. But but he kind of gets, you know, this is a Quentin Tarantino movie, and it shows that he can branch out a little bit, and, I, and I'm happy for that. I am happy for that. <clears throat> so, moving on to writing. He is the sole writing credit, Tarantino. This is the 18th film for him that I have a writing credit for. It increases his average film rating to a 68.17. It is his third film rated in the 70s and 10th best movie overall. Again, coming in behind Kill Bill Volume 1 and ahead of The Hateful Eight. <clears throat> um, so, uh, he has a value of 14, a score of 75.35 to be ranked 15th overall. One spot behind Shinobu Hashimoto and one spot ahead of Jonathan Nolan. Uh, again, very highly ranked as a writer as well. He's got a couple more in here um, that he wrote but did not directed, uh, including couple short films curdled and leonard cohen colon dance me to the end of love uh he's a writing credit on natural born killers which i like i think it's a good movie and um true romance as well helps out quite a bit to his score and ranking uh from a writing standpoint there is uh i don't know you know i talked about this in the review episode but a lot of really languishing moments in the film 
and not bad moments, but they just they just keep getting stretched and stretched and stretched. Particularly um, the scene at uh, like Sean's the the place that Bruce Dern and Lena Dunham Margaret the place that Margaret Qualley takes him takes Bar- Brad Pitt's character. That scene is far 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 too long, and I think some of those things. Parts of that are, are, are writing issues. Parts, and you know, I think that kind of bleeds through from writing to directing to editing. All three of those kind of hats, I, as you might say, are responsible for for the length of those moments and and them exceeding uh, what should have been limitations. So there's some issues, but again, you know, a lot of the dialogue is very strong. You know, Tarantino always won with with good dialogue. I think he does a good job here. Uh, it's a little, some of it's a little on the nose, and I think he's generally had that trait too. Um, so you know, that's really nothing new, and I don't have too much of a problem with it. I think the film at times can be a little on the nose, and it doesn't over. He doesn't overuse that element, and so I think he he just manages to kind of skate underneath the uh, underneath the bar, wire. Uh, sure, bar and wire. Okay, performances, performances. Let me pull up the IMDb page so I can get character names right because character names are hard to remember. Hard to remember. Not all of them. Not all of them, but some. Okay, here we go. Starting at the top, we have Brad Pitt. This is the 46th film credit of his I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 65.7. It is his fifth film rated in the 70s and 20th best movie overall. Uh, Coming in behind A River Runs Through It and uh, coming in ahead of one film, which is kind of a spoiler, and... uh, We'll skip that one and instead use The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. He has a value of 22, a score of 84.96 to be ranked third overall. He is the number three actor. He moved up, I believe, two spots, maybe one spot with this this movie. Uh, He is one spot behind John Ratzenberger, who is currently number two, and one spot ahead of William H. O'Brien, currently residing in fourth position. Brad Pitt playing the role of Cliff Booth is fantastic. I I think he's great in this film. I think he does a lot of a lot of good stuff. He really feels and lives in Cliff Booth's body. Uh, he has a just a great great attitude in this role, and it's a lot of fun. I think you know watching him narrate and, and commentate on uh, the scene, the you know watching a episode of TV with. With uh, DiCaprio's Rick Dalton and, and his comments on it are a lot of fun, and his flashback slash uh, fantasy scene involving Bruce Lee is great. I just there's a lot of good stuff with Brad Pitt, and, and I was a big fan of him in this movie. Next up is his co-star, his other the other leading man in the film, Leonardo DiCaprio. This is the 25th film of his that I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 68.64. It is his sixth film, rated between, rated in the 70s, and 11th best movie overall. Coming in behind Marvin's Room and ahead of uh, a role has himself in Spielberg documentary. He has a value of 16.5, a score of 80.06, and is ranked 11th overall. 
one spot outside of the top 10. I believe he was 12th or 13th prior to entering this film. He is less than a hundredth of a point behind the 10th placed Jack Nicholson, and he is just ahead of Burt Stevens. Leonardo DiCaprio as Rick fucking Dalton is also fantastic. I think he gives a great performance in this as well. It's... I don't know if I could really pick between DiCaprio or Pitt as to who was better. I think they both have some standout scenes. Some of the moments, uh, especially some of the silly flashback, um, you know, um, uh, elements for, for Dalton, you know, when he's auditioning for various roles or commercials he did. It's tough to really gauge how good his performances are in those because he's intentionally being I guess bad I would say so not truly sure uh where that stands but um yeah he's 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 fantastic he's great he's, he always is always is next up is Al Pacino this is the 28th film of his I've seen it increases his average film rating to a 60.96 it is his fourth film rated in the 70s and 12th best movie overall coming in behind Donnie Brasco and coming in ahead of a role as himself in Casting By. He has a value of 12, a score of 68.9 to be ranked 100th overall, one spot behind Josh Hamilton, the dad in 8th grade, and one spot ahead of Donald Kerr. <clears throat> Al Pacino, playing the role of Marvin Schwartz, not Schwartz, Schwartz, um, who's kind of an agent, kind of a facilitator who gets a couple of scenes and I don't know didn't really leave much of an impression on me in the film next up is Bruce Dern this is the 18th film of his I've seen it increases his average film rating to a 60.5 it is his fourth film rated in the 70s and seventh best movie overall coming in behind Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte and ahead of The Hateful Eight he has a value of 4.5 a score of 58.95 to be ranked 491st overall one spot behind Gemma Jones, and one spot ahead of Wayne Knight. Bruce Dern, playing the role of George Spahn, um, gets one scene, actually just one scene, and again, uh, he was fine. He was okay. Yeah, he didn't do much for me. That whole scene kind of doesn't do much for me. Next up is Zoe Bell. This is the eighth film of hers I've seen, increasing her average film rating to a 64.38. It is her second film in the 70s and uh, third best movie overall. One spot behind Whip It and one spot ahead of The Hateful Eight. She has a value of 2.5, a score of 54 even, and is ranked 861st overall. One spot behind Senkichi Omura and one spot ahead of Tom Felton. Zoe Bell, <clears throat> playing the role of Janet. Janet. Yep. She's um, just Janet. Just Janet. Cool. Uh, she's more of a stunt woman. So she did uh, She did Kate Blanchett's. She was Kate Blanchett's stunt woman in Thor Ragnarok. Fun fact. Next up is Lena Dunham. This is the 13th film of hers I've seen. It increases her average film rating to a 58 even. It is her third film, rated in the 70s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Seven Days in Hell and ahead of Happy Christmas. 
She has a value of 3, a score of 53.27 to be ranked 927th overall. One spot behind Samantha Morton and one spot ahead of uh, Ben Chaplin. She has the role of... What was her name again? Um, Gypsy. She's like the Gypsy Mom. Gypsy Mom, Gypsy Mom. Um, she was fine. I, you know, she was fine. Like Alina Dunham, or like a like a Bruce Dern. She has her scene, and she does fine in it. That's about it. Next up is Scoop McNary. This is the 18th film of his I've seen. It increases his average film rate to a 58.44. It is his third film rate in the 70s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Killing Them Softly and ahead of Destroyer. He has a value of zero, a score of 52.6, and is ranked 996th overall, one spot behind Simon Coons, and one spot ahead of Isabella Rossellini. <clears throat> Scoot McNary also has one scene. Moving on. Next up is Kurt Russell. This is the 27th film of his I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 55.26. It is his sixth film rate in the 70s and sixth best movie overall. One spot behind Miracle and one spot ahead of Furious 7. <clears throat> he has a value of negative 0.5, a score of 50.95 to be ranked 1,172nd overall. One spot behind Kana Hanazawa and one spot ahead of Harold Perrineau Jr. Kurt Russell, who uh, dual wields roles in this film as both. Why is he so far below? Um, as Randy and as um, the, the narrator. And it looks like, I guess, Janet was his wife in the movie based on the position they held on the cast list. So, yeah, solves that. Uh, Kurt Russell as Randy, fine. Uh, doesn't really have to do much. As the narrator, also fine. I'm not sure why they chose Kurt Russell to be the narrator, but they did. So, he is. Next up is Michael Madsen. This is the 17th film of his I've seen, increasing his average film rating to a 54.88. It is his fourth film, rated in the 70s, and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Kill Bill Volume 1 and ahead of The Hateful Eight. He has a value of negative 0.5, a score of 48.61, to be ranked 1,412th overall, one spot behind Judith Anderson, and one spot ahead of uh, Jung Woo Ha. Michael Madsen gets one scene in the film as Sheriff Hackett on an episode of Bounty Law. Bounty Law. Yep, that's it. That's it. He's in like one of the first scenes and gone. Next up is Margot Robbie. Robbie? Margot, Margot Robbie. This is her 16th film credit, increasing her average film rate to a 53.5. It is her third film, rated in the 70s, and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind I, Tanya and ahead of About Time. She has a value of negative 0.5, a score of 47.06 to be ranked 1,591st overall, one spot behind Charlotte Rampling, and one spot ahead of Michelle Fairley. Morgan Robbie playing the, well, very important character of Sharon Tate. Uh, important character, yes. Uh, large role, not so much. And, um, I mean, what she does, what she's given, what she what she's able to translate from, from script to screen is good but it's i don't know i kind of felt like there were a lot of people touting her performance and i don't think there's a ton there 
So, you know, she's good. She is good, and and I think this is good for her. But it does kind of feel um small, a little small. Next up is Clifton Collins Jr. This is the 21st film of his I've seen, increasing his average film rating to a 51.9. It is his fourth film rated in the 70s and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Night of Cups and ahead of Star Trek. He has a value of negative 3.5, a score of 43.89, to be ranked 2012th overall. One spot behind Bruce Greenwood and one spot ahead of Ben Johnson. Clifton Collins Jr., is Ernesto, the Mexican vaquero. Vaquero. He gets like one scene. Next up is Margaret Qualley. This is the eighth film of hers I've seen, increasing her average film rate to a 52.75. It is her fourth film rate in the 70s and third best movie overall. One spot behind Novitiate, Novitiate and one spot ahead of My Mutant Brain. She has a value of negative one, a score of 41.2, to be ranked 2,354th overall, one spot behind Tony Burton, and one spot ahead of Alex Borstein. Margaret Qualley, one of the main characters in the film, plays Pussycat. She interacts with Brad Pitt. I like most of her interactions with, all of her interactions with Brad Pitt's character. Uh, I think, despite the long scene that she kind of leads Pitt into, Cliff Booth into, uh, she's good, like, throughout. And, and, like, her moments in that scene are smaller, so it's not a, such a big deal. But, yeah, I, I like Margaret Qualley a lot. If you haven't seen Novitiate, highly recommend it, because she is fantastic in that. So, Margaret Qualley. Margaret Qualley. <clears throat> Next up is Dakota Fanning. This is the 24th film credit of hers I've seen. It increases her average film rate to a 49.67. It is her third film rate in the 70s and third best movie overall. Coming in behind her voice role in My Neighbor Totoro and ahead of Nine Lives. She has a value of negative 6, a score of 39.85 to be ranked 2,558th overall. One spot behind William Sanderson and one spot ahead of Christopher Lloyd. Dakota Fanning <clears throat> plays Squeaky From who I didn't really like. I, I really don't like Dakota Fanning, though. So, eh, grain of salt. Next up is Emil Hirsch. This is the 19th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rate to a 49.79. It is his third film rate in the 70s. And fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Prince Avalanche and ahead of Killer Joe. This is drops his value to a negative 5.5, his score to a 39.55, to be ranked 2,604th overall. One spot behind Andre Royo, and one spot ahead of Julia Fay. Emil Hirsch. Emil Hirsch. Uh, he plays the role of Jay Sebring, and um, he gets, he's basically in the Margot Robbie side of the story, and he gets a little less to do in it than she did so not this is the thing here's the, this this is the thing you know there are all these characters all these actors in this movie and so many of them get so so very little to do um which is a shame next up is timothy oliphant this is the 18th film of his i've seen increasing his average film rate to a 47.67 it's his third film rate in the 70s and third best movie overall coming in behind his voice role in rango and ahead of Live Free or Die Hard, he has a value of negative 6.5, a score of 36.4 to be ranked 
3,000 and 11th overall, one spot behind Pilo Azbek, and one spot ahead of Jennifer Hale. Timothy Elephant plays an actor um, whose name is James Stacy, uh, who is the good guy in one of the episodes that Dick, uh, Rick Dalton shoots, uh, where Rick Dalton plays one of the bad guys. Elephant's good. He's good. He's good in the scene they share together. I liked it. Um, next up is Spencer Garrett. This is the 12th film of his I've seen, increasing his average film rating to a 47.83. It is his third film rated in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Thank You for Smoking and ahead of The Way. He has a value of negative 5, a score of 36 even, to be ranked 3,065th overall, one spot behind Josh Lucas, and one spot ahead of Rene Rousseau. Spencer Garrett, <clears throat> who I believe plays... Yep, Alan Kincaid. Don't know who that was. Next up is James Remar. This is the 18th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rate to a 47.17. It is his seventh, third film rated in the 70s and sixth best movie overall. Coming in behind The Warriors and ahead of Pineapple Express. He has a value of negative 6.5, a score of 35.95 to be ranked 3,078th overall, one spot behind Lewis Black, one spot ahead of Kirstie Alley. <clears throat> Remar plays Ugly Al Hoot on Bounty Law. On Bounty Law. Again, one scene, not much to do. Next up is maybe my favorite actor in the movie, uh, or favorite role in the movie, performance in the movie. Uh, definitely someone I, I was, sh you know, didn't know who they were before I saw it, and uh, I'm really excited to see her do more things, and that's Julia Butters. This is the second film of hers I've seen. It increases her average film to a 50 even. It is her only film right in the 70s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of 13 hours. She has a value of zero, a score of 25 even, to be ranked 4,178th overall, one spot behind Romani Malco. Roman Romani Malco. Romani 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 Malco. And one spot ahead of Robert Curtis Brown. Julia Butters playing the role of Trudy is the name of her character. And she is great. Love Julia Butters. I want more of her in every movie. Uh, she's I don't know, she's like the Daphne Keene of this year. Logan, I don't know. She's, she's great. She was great in her scenes. I loved her. Next up is Damien Lewis. This is the sixth film his of his I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 38.67. It's his only film in the 70s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of The Escapist. His value of negative 4.5, a score of 24.5, and is ranked 4,219th overall, one spot behind Ezra Miller, and one spot ahead of Natasha Leggero. Damien Lewis is the role of Steve McQueen, who gets one scene. Um, I don't know. He was an okay Steve McQueen. Granted, like, I really only knew Steve McQueen from the movies he was in, but I don't know. He was an okay Steve McQueen. He looks, he definitely looks the part. Uh, next up is Lorenza Izzo. This is the sixth film of hers I've seen. It increases her average point to a 27.17. It's her only film in the 70s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of The Green Inferno. 
She has a value of negative 8, a score of 12.38 to be ranked 4,798th overall, one spot behind Pauly Shore, and one spot ahead of Wentworth Miller. <clears throat> Lorenza Izzo is the role of Francesca Capucci, who is one of the kids, one of like the Manson family, maybe, I think. <coughs> I think. And uh, that's it. There's some other people in the here that didn't quite make the spreadsheet yet, uh, including Austin Butler as Tex, uh, Mike Moe as Bruce Lee, Luke Perry as Wayne Maunder, uh, to mention a few. And there are a handful of uh, characters that, like Harley Quinn Smith uh, and so on, who are children of you know famous, recognizable people that uh, just don't have the filmography, the career yet to be on the spreadsheet, but maybe in time, maybe in time. Um, here we go. No Academy Awards yet. Um, given some of the reception, I would be shocked if this didn't get into the Academy Awards on some level. I think the strongest element of the film is production design, without question. It is easily my favorite to win that award right now. Uh, personally, I have it... <clears throat> uh, where do I have it? Um, I have it somewhere. I have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have uh, Brad Pitt and DiCaprio. Not sure. I have I have Brad Pitt in in the lead role for the for for this film, but I, I I really could go back and forth between the two, and I'm sure that won't get won't get any finality from that anytime soon. Uh, I really want to put Julia Butters in supporting. I just don't think her role was long enough, but maybe maybe. Nah, probably not. I would love to, but I really can't. Um, oh, wait. Looking at the wrong thing. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Oh, shoot. Uh, scratch the Brad Pitt thing. Um, yeah, so director. Tarantino makes it into director for now. Uh, screenplay. He's there, too. Tactile effects I, I thought were great. Um, costume design, makeup and hairstyling, production, stunt work, sound. I think the film it, it completely excels at all of those things. So it's definitely one to contend with in that arena. And then scene. Uh, talked about my, I think I talked about my favorite scene in the spoiler section of the review. But, <coughs> excuse me, it is the scene between DiCaprio, Julia Butters, and uh, Luke Perry. And that should be enough. Uh, I really liked that scene and, and the ending of it with the director uh, and, and Julia Butters commenting to... Dalton about how well they thought he did and I, I thought that was great that was one of my favorite scenes and really works for me uh, most a lot due to DiCaprio's performance but you know Perry and, and Butters and, and everyone else do a great job too so those are the big that's the big one for me um, alright it is one of the 146 2019 films that I've seen it is one of the 769 films that I've seen in the year 2019. Increases the average rating of 2019 films to 40.84. Increases the tomato meter to 61.84. It is the 51st comedy and 57th drama that I've seen this year. 
increases the ratio of good to bad films to 0.38, 33 to 88 films, good to bad. Uh, as a 2, it is part of the 13.7% of films with a 2 in the Bechtel test this year. It's an R-rated film. It is one of the it is the 59th R-rated film that I've seen from this year. <clears throat> and finally, with a score of 74, it is one of the uh, 108 films to have received that score on my spreadsheet, including from this year, Booksmart, uh, and looking into the past years, Tully, Mary Poppins Returns, the Breadwinner, Wind River, uh, First Reform, Novitiate, Only the Brave, Denial, Maudie, Slow West, Miss Hokusai, Macbeth, Bridge of Spies, What We Do in the Shadows, Alice in Wonderland, <clears throat> The Little Mermaid, Mississippi Burning, Reanimator, All the President's Men, The Exorcist, Last Picture Show, The, Comanche the Comancheros, Hiroshima Mon Amour, Funny Face, Clown of the Jungle, The Stranger, Meet Me in St. Louis, The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, Now Voyager, Foreign Correspondent, and the oldest film to share a rating with this from 1933, Gold Diggers of 1933. So that's pretty much it. For Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that is where the film stands. That is the st those are the statistics uh, therein. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Uh, I do appreciate it. If you would like to find more episodes, check out your podcast of uh, application of choice. iTunes, Stitcher, and many others have everything. Or you can head over to the website, circleoffilm.com, to find all the other episodes and other things. Top 10 list, Circle of Film Award nominations, etc., etc., you can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film, email circleoffilm.com, or letterboxed at Circle of Film. You can support the show by liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, wherever you are, whatever you're listening to, however you're doing it, or go to patreon.com slash circleoffilm, where you can become a patron for as little as eight cents an episode, and also get access to every episode early. Uh, so as soon as they're finished recording and ready to upload, I make them available for patron, uh, patron user subscribers and... Uh, Everyone else gets them at the normal time, which, I mean, there's a lot of episodes, but <clears throat> there's that. So uh, that's about it, though. That's, that's where we're at. Thank you for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.